0: Here we are on a Wednesday morning. I'm Adam Wright. You are listening to Roadmap to Heaven. It is 7 a.m. Thanks for tuning in to Covenant Network this morning. Let's begin our day together in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O oh, Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, it is shaping up to be a beautiful midweek. And, uh, you know, last night I went to soccer practice and I was wearing jeans and I thought, oh, the, the... thing on my watch or my phone or whatever it was says it's 85 degrees out I should probably change it then I ran out of time I said no I'll just suffer through it it was so incredibly pleasant as the sun was going down and the breeze was picking up I was perfectly comfortable then I realized the uh, the price I have to pay for that is it's also the season of fall allergens and so I came home and uh, had to deal with that but that's an easy fix these days thanks to the the great care for my allergies I receive. That's neither here nor there. I'm just grateful the temperatures are dropping. Just grateful that the temperatures are dropping. We are going to hear from Father Ripperger this morning on the promises of the Holy Rosary. It is October, the month of the Rosary. And then we're also going to take a trip out to Kenrick Lennon Seminary where where we are going to visit with Father Shane Demon, the vice rector of the seminary. We also have the third installment of our conversation with Father Wade on What's in a Name? and how a name brings a touch of character. So that's all ahead today. Now, I I know I said I'm looking forward to the temperatures dropping, but I hear there might be some rain mixed in there as well at some point, and I don't know when that point is, but I do know this. Mike Roberts is going to tell us right now.
1: Today is the memorial of St. Francis of Assisi, Born in central Italy in 1181, Francesco Bernardini was born into privilege and grew up surrounded by all the trappings of the family's place in society. As a young man, he was handsome, smart, and witty, but Francis had a conversion. Actually, he had several, and the last occurred when he was selling fine cloth in the marketplace while working for his father. When he was approached by a beggar, he was so moved, he gave the beggar all his money, all the money he had, and his father's from his father's business, which enraged his father and abused his friends. Francis felt called to prayer, deep and lengthy prayer. And he heard the Lord say to him, Francis, everything you have loved and desired, it is your duty to hate and despise if you wish to know my will. So Francis took all of his possessions, gave them to his father who was demanding repayment, and then went begging door to door for the poor. And he would do this for the rest of his life. To many, and for quite a while, Francis was considered a religious fanatic, and yet he began to attract followers. He did not intend to start a new community, but soon he had so many followers there was no other choice. Francis was a great preacher, and he knew he was called to preach about the suffering of others and to celebrate all of God's creation. But he also yearned for prayer and contemplation. Near the end of his life, he was given the stigmata. He died at the age of just 44, Pope Francis said he chose that name after being elected when Cardinal Vladio Humus said to him, Don't forget the poor. The Lord also said to St. Francis, Francis, go out and build up my house, for it is nearly falling town. At a time when our church is under attack, and so many in the world are without homes, when even the planet we live on is suffering, let us all pray for the intentions of our Holy Father. St. Francis of Assisi, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day.
2: Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts.
1: A prayer for the gift of wisdom. Great is the wisdom of the Lord. God Almighty, your wisdom includes an understanding of what is fair, what is logical, what is true, what is right, and what is lasting. It mirrors your pure intellect. I entreat you to grant me such wisdom that my labors may reflect your insight. Your wisdom expands in your creations, displaying complexity and multiplicity. Your wisdom is an eternity ahead of man. May your wisdom flourish forever. Amen. If you've missed our shows
0: earlier this week, we started a conversation with Father Wade Menezes on what's in a name. You know, we all receive a name at birth and our name is spoken at our baptism. The catechism teaches there's some great, great beauty in that, some great dignity in that. And uh, yesterday we were talking about how a name is a way to sanctify God. Today we're gonna pick up with Father Wade and talk, hear about how a name can bring a touch of character so let's continue that conversation
2: uh, a name also brings a touch of character I've, I've touched on this a little bit the meaning of our names can share so much about our character and foundation a point that some parents encourage regularly uh, with their children for example when giving uh, them their nightly blessings say with their right hand thumb on the forehead for instance with faith named base like john Luke or Rebecca, uh, that are all related to uh, biblical figures or saints, it is easy to discern strong demonstrated qualities in those very biblical figures and saints, very strong qualities that they held by the story that's told about them or by what the name means in its its language of origin. Uh, Parents should view it as an essential truth that their kids know their namesake's identities, including what they did for God during their earthly lives, these great saints and biblical figures. So how they lived virtue to a heroic degree and how their patron helps to protect and guide them to heaven, uh, the very child that's named after them. Children's names can also feature a nod to their ancestry, like your little Amelia, Uh, paying homage to grandparents or great-grandparents who have served as wonderful models of positive, impactful, and Christian living. In short, a child's Christian name can simultaneously celebrate a family's heritage. So to wrap it all up, you know, each child can have a name signifying a lifelong link while giving them the honor of always striving to embody the faith-based values and characteristics of those saints or biblical personages or other personages like family members of the past that they are named after. A boy named Joseph, for example, can be encouraged during his formative years as a boy and a young man to always be just quote-unquote, the virtue of justice, to always be just in all things and to be caring and noble and valiant, just like St. Joseph himself, right? And maybe even a great carpenter, you know? <laughs> maybe the little Joseph named after St. Joseph could even be a great carpenter. So, in short, you know, faith tells us the name that is chosen is extremely important. This is a truth, Adam, that we just cannot lose sight of.
0: You know, Father, one of the things I have to laugh at is when you were asking about the names, when James was in about kindergarten, we were expecting again and everything about this pregnancy. My wife thought before we had the ultrasound, she said, I, you know, I just have the sense I'm having another boy. I'm having another boy. And we had decided and we had told James, if, if mom has another boy, we are going to name him John. And then the two of you will be James and John, the sons of thunder. And, and sure enough, when we had the reveal with all of our family gathered and pink glitter started falling out of the envelope, James was moved to tears. And we said, son, what's wrong? And he goes, but but I wanted to be the sons of thunder. And he, he knew that reference. Luckily for him, yeah. I, I'm still boisterous either way. He, he is a son of thunder, uh, whether he has a brother named John or not.
2: There you, there you go. There you go.
0: And that's where we are going to leave off today. We're going to take another break here on the show. When we come back, Father Shane Demon and I will be on the road at Kenrick-Glennon Seminary to talk about the priesthood. More on that when we come back.
3: Prayer of St. Francis of Assisi. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope
0: One of those questions that I think we've all asked at one point or another is the question of who is a priest or who's called to be a priest and and, and what does a priest do? And to help give us some insight to that, we're happy to welcome Father Shane Demon, who is the Vice Rector for Formation at Kenrick Lennon Seminary right here in St. Louis. Father, it's good to have you back with us on Roadmap to Heaven today. Well, thanks, Adam. I appreciate the invitation. It's great to be with you. Now, remind me of your home diocese.
4: I'm from Sioux City, Iowa. Northwest Iowa. So the the, uh, the state of Iowa is kind of in quadrants, and we're the northwest quadrant.
0: All right. Father, I think back to the Sikh conference mm-hmm. at the beginning of this year, and I want to say it was Bishop James Conley from the Diocese of Lincoln, Nebraska, who said in his homily the night, or it was the morning before they were going to have Eucharistic adoration at night, he said, I am confident that God is going to call some of you men here mm-hmm. to the priesthood. And that he spoke of how many of his seminarians in the diocese first heard that call in Eucharistic adoration. And I was just struck by that moment to think, okay, 17,000 people in a room together, odds are good some of these men are being called oh, yes. to the priesthood. Um, let's start with perhaps the, uh, the philosophical view of this and not so much the, the temporal and practical. What is a priest? You yeah. know, in, in, in our Catholic faith, what is a priest?
4: It's a good question. Um, I was, about 10 years ago, I was in a grocery store, and I was just buying some soup. That's all I was doing. And a man comes up to me, and he was actually kind of aggressive, and he just said, I think you priests should get married. And I said, okay, hi, I'm Father Shane. Who are you? (laughs) And so he introduced himself, and he just said, I don't think you priests can do any sort of marriage counseling unless you're married and you actually know what you're talking about. So I don't think you should should be doing any marriage prep or marriage counseling because you're not married. And I said, sir, um, that's a pretty limited view of what priesthood actually is. You know, if you think that we are just marriage counselors, um, well, then we're probably pretty poor at that. uh, Because we could actually go do a whole, you know, master's degree in counseling or marriage and family studies. uh, But that's not what we're trained to do. So at the end of the day, a priest is ordained to be another Christ, an alter Christus. And he's actually called to, uh, to live in deep union with God, so close to the Father, that he just starts to take on the whole lifestyle of Christ, who always wanted to be in union with the Father, never wanted to step out of that loving relationship, and then from that loving relationship could go out and share the love of God with the world by preaching the, the kingdom of God. And then, of course, he acts in the, in the name of Christ with sacramental power. Um, but he's called to be another instantation of, of Christ for the world.
0: I'm thinking of a few things right now. Most of us, we have a profession, Mm -hmm. and and we are told these will be your job duties, and you just say yes or no, do I want to take that job? But even greater than that, I have my vocation, which is husband and father, as as the church would say, my first vocation, Mm -hmm. and pretty much everything after that is in support of being a husband and being a father and raising our family in the faith. But I think back to... My time at St. Louis University High School and freshman year going into it, they hand us the handbook and they say, we want you to read this very specific section, the profile of the grad at grad, the graduate at graduation. Mm. This is who we hope you become. Not a checklist, not a uh, job description or a summary of skills that you would have attained, but really formed as men for others, if I had to summarize it. Mm -hmm. I imagine in seminary formation, that's something that you work with the men on as well, that when you are not a graduate of Kenrick-Lennon Seminary, but more importantly, when you are ordained a priest and you receive this sacrament of holy orders, when your hands are anointed, when you're vested, this is, as you said, that new identity, that altar Christus. Um, What are some of the things that our priests, are, our priests are called to do in the life of the Church in terms of being that other Christ. How are they Christ to the Church?
4: Yeah, I think one of the easiest ways to summarize that would be think of the, like the three missions or the three offices of a priest. He's ordained to be priest, prophet, and king. So in a very priestly way, he's called to offer sacrifice, especially through the Mass. Uh, he's called to help sanctify others. Uh, through worship, through prayer, and through the graces of the sacraments, right? And then in that prophetic office, that mission, he's called to preach and to teach. And then in that kingly role, he's not ordained to have everyone kind of treat him like royalty, but in a kingly role, he's, help, he's called to help govern, to help organize you know, all of our gifts and talents, to help organize a parish, to lead us all and move us in one direction, in one vision, towards the will of God. Um, so if you kind of think about the sanctification worship aspects, the teaching preaching, but then also the leadership governance aspects in service to the people of God, uh, most of a priest's daily duties will fall within those three categories.
0: I want to come back to those categories and in, in those daily duties in a little bit here, but let's, let's go back a little bit further, going back to that analogy of the freshmen looking at here's who we hope you become when you mm-hmm. graduate. Uh, the men who are called to discern a vocation in seminary. I, I think every time I visited the seminary, I've noticed that there are similarities between all of the men and there are differences oh, yes. between the men. They come from all <laughs> sorts of backgrounds, all sorts of walks of life. Uh, who does God call to the priesthood?
4: You know, I think he calls what's the best way to say? It? I mean, on, on a blanket level, you could say, well, he calls anybody and everybody. Not that everyone's got a specific a specific vocation. But there isn't necessarily one type, right? Uh, He calls introverts and extroverts. Uh, He calls men with engineering backgrounds, with finance backgrounds. He calls some men in their childhood, and they just know, like, by the age of six or seven, I'm going to be a priest one day. He's drawing together just a, a rich array of backgrounds, gifts, talents, perspectives, personality traits, all of which enrich the church, all of which can be used to then go reach others. Um, And I think all of us priests know that our particular gifts and talents, our personalities, don't necessarily click with everybody, Um, and, and we're not just called to like win people over with our personalities, but we do know that our individual traits and characteristics are used by God in a positive way to build up others, to connect with others, to build up relationships, and then to invite them into communion.
0: Why is it that... To become a priest, you're ordained. In that, it's a sacramental thing. Why couldn't we just say, like we do with the parish music director or the secretary? We need someone to do this work. Here's a good guy. Um, so go ahead and get started. Yeah. Well, first of all, I mean, we we have a pretty
4: rich understanding of the sacramental life, right? The church has a very sacramental imagination in which we know that there's invisible graces working through visible means. Um, so when you know when we're pouring water on someone's head and baptizing them. There's a lot of invisible realities happening then, spiritual truths that are being unfolded in the life of grace that a newly baptized person is having. And so when we, we send a man out on mission and we give him orders, we're configuring his soul to be another Christ, and he's receiving sacramental power in that by the prayer of consecration and the laying on of hands, going all the way back to the early church. Um, and so we're, we're not just commissioning someone to do a job, and we're not just saying, well, you're, you're bright or you've got a certain skill set, so go out and preach. Um, someone is configured in the depths of their souls to be another Christ in an in, um, unrepeatable fashion, similar to uh, baptism or confirmation. Those sacraments that actually change a person's interior life forever and mark someone
0: in a particular way in their relationship with God. And that's part of the the anointing of your hands. Your hands are very different from my hands, even though we both have ten fingers and we both have two hands. Um, Yours have been anointed with sacred chrism. Mm -hmm. They have been consecrated for what what God has called you to do in this earthly life.
4: Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I was actually just thinking about this the other day. You know what would it be like if everyone could still see the crosses that the bishop traced on the palms of my hands with the sacred chrism and not to not to make myself sound important um, but if we could look at everybody else and say wow he was permanently configured to christ and and the marks of that sacrament actually still radiate within him if we could see that again that's not just to promote the ego of the priest but i think that would just give us a clear indication of what the sacramental life is all about that these rites are not just mere ceremonies. They're actually configuring someone with heavenly power uh, thanks to the grace of God that's still active in the church.
0: There's a lot more that we're going to dive into here, but we owe our listeners a break. So let's take a very quick break here on Roadmap to Heaven. We'll be back with Father Shane Demon after this.
3: A prayer to the Archangel Gabriel. O blessed Archangel Gabriel, we beseech thee, do thou intercede for us at the throne of divine mercy in our present necessities that, as thou didst announce to Mary the mystery of the Incarnation, so through thy prayers and patronage in heaven we may obtain the benefits of the same and sing the praise of God forever in the land of the living. Amen.
0: Hello, podcast listeners. This is Adam Wright for Covenant Network. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to hit like and subscribe. And while you're at it, share it with your friends. And now back to the Roadmap to Heaven podcast. We are back. If you're just joining us, we are visiting with Father Shane Demon, who is the Vice Rector for Formation at Kenrick Lennon Seminary, talking about the priesthood. We've covered a little bit about the sacramental nature of this, that our priests are chosen. They are set apart in a very unique way where grace is imparted through the sacraments, through anointing, through the laying on of hands. Um, I want to go back to something you said earlier, Father, and that's kind of the, the day in the life of a priest, that we don't just do this to elevate you to some special standing. Once you're ordained, you are now sent on mission to be that other Christ. And for many of us, we say, okay, Father has Mass in the morning, and on Saturdays in the evening, if there's a funeral or a wedding, Father will be there for that. Baptisms as well, hearing confessions. But what does a life in the day of a parish priest typically look like?
4: Yeah. So, I mean, a life— or the life of a priest in the, in the context of parish ministry is just given over on behalf of the flock. And the shepherd has to be in the midst of the flock. And that happens in countless ways, in the hospitals, in the nursing homes, um, visiting people in prison. Uh, it, does, it does involve some administration with meetings, you know, with the finance council and parish staff and organizing youth ministry or elderly ministry. and But there's a lot of accompaniment that happens in small ways, You know, the couple that comes in and says, you know, we're struggling in our marriage and we'd like to find the presence of God. We'd like to learn how to pray together more. Uh, Someone who calls and says, I want confession. Maybe someone who's just looking for some pastoral counseling for a particular issue in their life. There's a lot of accompaniment that happens in very small ways that most people don't understand. And I've had countless people say, oh, being a priest must be great. You just kind of work one day a week on Sundays. Um, And they don't necessarily realize the emergencies that come up in people's lives but also the, the many ways that we're just trying to accompany people in marriage prep, in baptism preparation, you know, classes for, for parents, which a lot of laity and deacons help with as well. Uh, but there's there's deep accompaniment that's helping draw people into the lived experience of Christ. And that happens round the clock.
0: Now, one of the important works, it's both a spiritual work and a temporal work. Uh, in fact, it has a temporal name, is the praying of the liturgy of the hours mm. throughout the day. That's something that all of our priests are not just asked to pray, but called to pray mm-hmm. in their daily life. Um, and I think that's another one of those things that maybe we don't think about, we don't see it, but th- that as the pastor of a parish, as the leader of a flock, um, an important work of the priest is praying for those under his charge.
4: Right. Yeah. The most important duties that a priest will undertake every day is really not seen by the parish. And that is this is called to be a, a very strong mystic, uh, to spend a lot of time in prayer, to be so fascinated with the presence of God. And to be so nourished from the wellspring of heaven, that in that identity, he's able to go out and nourish others because he himself has been well fed. Uh, He draws close to the Lord and he's just interested in the things of heaven. Uh, And again, no one sees that, you know, so unless you check in on a chapel or a a church early in the morning before sunrise, um, that's usually where father needs to be. He's probably not going to be in his office. He needs to be in front of the blessed sacrament. And there, were, there have been periods throughout church history where priests will say, Well, my, my ministry, my work is my prayer. No. Uh, there is no substitute for, for dwelling very close to the presence of God. There's no substitute for the intimacy that comes in pouring out one's heart and just being fed. Just as Christ did, he
0: often withdrew from the crowds in order to share intimacy with the Father. I think one of the questions that I, I always find myself asking, and I'm a little embarrassed to say this because I'm a member of the Sarah Club of St. Louis, and we work to promote vocations and to support the men in the seminary and also to support our priests. Um, But it's that question of, well, how do I support my priests? I know Mm -hmm. how to say thank you. I can write a note or I can send Father a card for Priesthood Sunday. But what can we do to support our priests in their ministry?
4: Well, two things come to mind. First of all, pray for him. I mean, how many of us are actually praying for our pastors, for his holiness, for his stamina, for the vision uh, that he needs to be acquiring from Christ of where this particular parish needs to go? That has to be number one priority. But number two, are there ways in which uh, someone could come up to him and say, what's your vision? What do you need here? Do you think we need people to go door to door to invite people back to Mass? Or do you need people, you're just sensing that we need, you know, more help with youth ministry. Um, Do we actually take the time to say, Father, where are you leading us as the shepherd? What is your vision for this parish? And then can we mobilize some volunteers around that? Um, The pastor of that parish, he might actually want to gather some people around him to say, I want a core team to just pray with me for the needs of this parish, the vision of this parish, and where we need to go. Um, It really needs to come from heaven Uh, rather than just saying, Father, I'm going to write you a little thank you note or I'm going to drop off some food at your rectory. That's a nice gesture. But I bet Father's overall leadership in ministry and governance of the parish, he could really use some people to go a little deeper with him.
0: That's where I love our one of the resources we have from Sarah Club is our prayer for the perseverance of vocations. Mm. And it's a beautiful, short little prayer we pray daily for you and for all of our priests that you would just continue to accept that grace that God pours out on you mm. in your priestly ministry. I'd like to close with this as we uh, wrap up here. If you had to encapsulate what you tell the men in Formation for the Priesthood and into one thing, you say, this is of everything you're going to do or everything you need to do in your life, this is the most important thing about being a priest, what would you say?
4: I think the first thing that comes to mind is I need to tell them, just be holy. We need you to be a holy priest. There's no guarantees that you're going to be the most effective preacher, the most effective evangelizer, gifted with tons of languages. But if you can be a holy priest— that will be a witness to the world that the presence of God is here, uh, and that will tell your people that the kingdom of God is real and that they need to keep their eyes fixed on it, and that their parish activities are not just a mere social group or social justice activism, but we're actually seeking the kingdom of God. And if a priest is striving to be a saint himself, that's going to trickle out into the holiness of his parishioners. Yeah, I think we forget about the
0: supernatural effects of that. If, if Father is holy, and he's praying for the parish, and he's praying for the good of the flock. He doesn't have to be the most gifted preacher. He doesn't have to be the most competent administrator. There are other people that can do the administrative tasks, if, if nothing else, but that supernatural effect of grace will rub off mm-hmm. on everyone in the parish. That's right. Well, Father Shane, I want to thank you for being with us today. Just to, I mean, There's so much we could have covered. There's obviously eight-plus years of seminary formation sure. you cover with the men. But to give us a little glimpse into the vocation of the priesthood and a day in the life of a priest, it's been great to be with you. Could I ask you to close us out with a prayer? Absolutely. Let's
4: pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Good and gracious God, we thank you for your Son's presence in our midst, especially in his presence through the gift of the holy priesthood. Consistently raise up a new generation of shepherds for the good of the flock, to build up the kingdom of God and to sanctify your people. Bless us throughout this day, and let us do all things for the praise and glory of your name. Amen.
0: Before we go to the break here, I just want to remind you, without priests, we do not have the sacrament. So not only pray for your priests, pray for vocations, as Father just reminded us. And especially for those of us who are parents, I'll share this with you. At the baptism of each of our five children, I prayed this very simple prayer. Lord, help me to get out of your way with what you are calling them to in their life. I want to be on God's team. I don't want to be on the opposite team working against him. So let's pray for that grace that we could help our kids get to whatever vocation God is calling them to. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned for more.
3: A prayer to St. Joseph. O oh, blessed Joseph, faithful guardian of my Redeemer, Jesus Christ, protector of thy chaste spouse, the Virgin Mother of God. I choose thee this day to be my special patron and advocate, and I firmly resolve to honor thee all the days of my life. Therefore, I humbly beseech thee to receive me as thy client, to instruct me in every doubt, to comfort me in every affliction, to obtain for me and for all the knowledge and love of the heart of Jesus, and finally to defend and protect me at the hour of my death. Amen.
0: We are midway through our week, and here we stop for another Daily Dose of Encouragement with Patty Schneier, where we continue to reflect upon the joyful mysteries.
5: Well, in all of these mysteries, the new insight for me when I learned of these meditations was that the joyful mysteries are actually all instances that were difficult, that required sacrifice, or even a little bit of suffering. So the third joyful mystery, the nativity, think about it, the circumstances of our Lord's birth could hardly be described as ideal or pristine. Hardly. And yet, in this cave surrounded by beasts and animals, our Lord allowed himself to be born to suffer cold and all the discomforts that come with being a helpless infant in this world. His incarnation Caused the shepherds and the magi to gaze in wonder for the heavens to break forth in song and proclaim joy to the world. So, in this moment, when want and need and even the threat of doom and death seemed to be all there, joy bursts forward all over the world in response. That's amazing. So what circumstances are not ideal right now in your life? And how can you bring joy to the world, to your family, to your parish, in spite of the difficult circumstances? That was a whole new insight for me with this joyful mystery If I've prayed so many years, the third joyful mystery, the nativity. But when I think about it now, about how it was not ideal, and then how can I, in an imperfect situations still bring joy, that's something that I want to bring to prayer. And maybe that can help you today as you pray your rosary.
0: I don't know about you, but I am loving these new views of the joyful mysteries that Patty has been sharing with us this week. Patty, thank you for another Daily Dose of Encouragement. Am I the only one who was hearing Mike Roberts' forecast and saying, I already know what sweater i'm going to wear later this week when the high is only 62. you know mark this down because in a few months i'm going to be complaining about how cold it is but after a a long warm summer i'm ready for the fall temperatures thanks for tuning into roadmap to heaven today we hope you have enjoyed today's episode if you want to share it with a friend or a loved one or neighbor relative whoever it may be Be sure to visit OurCatholicRadio.org and check out the Roadmap to Heaven page where you can find the Roadmap to Heaven podcast. You can also get it on your favorite podcast player, whether that's Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, whatever it may be. We're out there. You can find us. And uh, it really helps us out when you click like, subscribe, share, all of those things. So please be sure to do that. Let's pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Rosary, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, tomorrow on the show, we are going to continue going back to school with Father David Skillman, looking at Redemptor. Homie Niece, the first encyclical of St. John Paul II. We also will wrap up with Father Wade on the importance of names. And then we've got some other goodies for you as well. So be sure to tune in for that. Until then, for all of us here at Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Thanks for being part of our show today. Don't forget to pray your rosary today.